Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. President Trump continues downplaying the pandemic, claiming without proof that it will soon be over. This as the nation reaches 200,000 deaths from the virus. Plus the battle to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat, the president planning to name his choice by the end of the week, as a key Republican now says he supports moving forward with a vote. And Tropical Storm Beta makes landfall in Texas, the 23rd storm of the relentless 2020 hurricane season. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We have a lot to cover today, including the battle to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat with just 41 days till the election and the widespread flooding in Houston after a tropical storm Beta's landfall. But we begin with coronavirus, the U.S. reaching that grim milestone of 200,000 dead, an unimaginable number just eight months ago. This as the CDC scrambles to explain a confusing back and forth on how the coronavirus spreads and the new president continues to downplay the pandemic. Today, the U.S. reaching 200,000 deaths due to coronavirus. All his life, Donald Trump has been bailed out of any problem he faced. And with this crisis, a real crisis, the crisis that required serious presidential leadership, he just wasn't up to it. He froze. He failed to act. He panicked. And America's paid the worst price of any nation in the world. The virus impacting minorities the most, the COVID tracking project reporting black people are dying at almost two and a half times the rate of whites. Among the Latino community, a poll conducted by Latino Decisions showing one in ten homes has been hit by the virus, and more than half of homes have lost income due to the pandemic. The president still standing by his belief that COVID-19 will disappear. It affects virtually nobody. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. By the way, we're rounding the corner in any event, but we're going to have a vaccine very soon. But at least 24 states are seeing an increase in new cases over the past week. Hospitalizations rising in 17 states and deaths increasing in more than a dozen states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico. After pre previous holiday weekends, Memorial Day, uh, the 4th of July, now Labor Day, we have seen increases in cases. And in addition to that, over the last several weeks, Students have been returning to college and university campuses, and those have also become super spreader settings. Meanwhile, the CDC scrambling to explain a confusing back and forth, saying on Friday that COVID-19 is in fact airborne, and on Monday, the agency reversing. We weren't ready to put it up. It can possibly be transmitted. Um, through the airborne route, but that this is not the main mode of transmission, that the main mode of transmission remains close exposure within that six-foot circumference of a person who's infected. And the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices had been expected to vote today on a plan to guide states in deciding who should receive a vaccine first as soon as one is approved. However, that vote was delayed while the committee studies the issue further. The most vulnerable are the elderly, those with underlying conditions, health care and essential workers. 
Meanwhile, President Trump defended his record on the coronavirus response and a range of other issues in his pre-recorded speech to the United Nations General Assembly. The president also attacked China, calling the country the source of the coronavirus pandemic. Clearly anticipating Trump's theme, China's leader Xi Jinping addressed those accusations in his own pre-recorded speech he played later. He said, quote, any attempt at politicizing or stigmatizing the issue must be rejected. Meanwhile, the Senate is planning to hold a nomination hearing this week for Chad Wolf, who has been serving as acting Homeland Security Secretary for under a year. Earlier this month, a federal judge ruled Wolf was likely serving as acting secretary unlawfully. The Department of Homeland Security hasn't had a Senate-confirmed leader since Secretary Christian Nielsen forced departure in April of 2019. President Trump formally nominated Wolf September 10th of last year. And now to other major news we're following today. With just 41 days until Election Day, the battle over Justice Ginsburg's replacement is intensifying. The president saying his plans to name his choice to replace her by the end of the week. And a key Senate Republican saying he, they now have the votes to confirm Trump's nominee. Andrea Linares has more. President Trump overnight at a rally in Ohio, relishing the opportunity to fill another seat on the Supreme Court. Who would like to see a woman justice of the Supreme Court? Who would like to see a male justice of the Supreme Court? The president is expected to announce his decision at the end of the week after memorial services for Justice Ginsburg have concluded. He says it will be a woman. Well, I'd much rather have a vote uh, before the election because there's a lot of work to be done and I'd much rather have it. We have plenty of time to do it. I mean, there's really a lot of time. I'm just doing my constitutional obligation. I have an obligation to do this, uh, so I would rather see it before the election. Five women are on the shortlist. Those familiar with the matter say Amy Coney Barrett is the leading contender. She met with the president at the White House yesterday. Barrett was a former clerk for Justice Scalia. She's a devout Catholic and is backed by religious conservatives and anti-abortion activists. Also high on the list, Barbara Lagoa, a former chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court. Born in Miami, her parents fled Castro's Cuba. Their strong work ethic and their desire to succeed. And these are values that they instilled in me. Picking Lagoa could help the president politically in the battleground state of Florida. Right now, it seems likely Republicans will have the votes to confirm Trump's nominee. Two key Republicans, Senators Cory Gardner and Chuck Grassley, have announced they will support a vote. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham vowing to forge ahead. We've got the votes to confirm the judge, the justice on the floor of the Senate before the election, and that's what's coming. Democrats are accusing Republicans of playing pure politics. Why not just come to the floor and say, I'm going to do what's ever best for my political party. Consistency be damned, reason be damned, democracy be damned. Just admit it. We're in the middle of an election. By the time that vote comes up, if it comes up, there will have been close to 40 percent of the people have already voted. It's a violation of the spirit of the Constitution to suggest that he should not wait until the outcome of the election. 
It was reportedly Justice Ginsburg's dying wish she not be replaced until after the election, but President Trump says he doesn't buy that, implying that it was made up by Democrats. However, Ginsburg's granddaughter told the BBC she recorded that last wish herself. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And moving now to D.C., where it appears Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has enough votes to move forward with President Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court. As Senator Mitt Romney of Utah said he supports a vote, Edwin Pitti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin? That's right, Lorraine. This could be the fastest confirmation of a Supreme Court justice in modern U.S. history. Yesterday, Senator Lindsey Graham, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, saying that he would make sure that the President Trump's nominee gets clear for a vote on the Senate floor before Election Day. And despite the Republicans having the 51 votes needed for a confirmation, today Senator Mitt Romney said that he would vote to confirm Trump's pick for the Supreme Court. This is what he said when asked about the criticism for the Democrat Party. Let's take a listen. I have not studied uh, the full list, nor have I done the qualification evaluation that I would want to do before I uh, decided to support any one in that list. I presume uh, there's at least one or two on that list that I would support, and uh, there may be one or two that I wouldn't, but I haven't looked at their qualifications to make that judgment. But I, but, I, but I will before the, the uh, process is complete. I, I, haven't, I haven't reviewed uh, her uh, judicial uh, record to this point, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to doing so. So if she's the nominee. Now, President Trump met for several hours yesterday at the White House with Judge Amy Coney Barrett, a meeting the sources are saying cemented her as a clear favorite. And on Friday, President Trump will be going to Miami and is expected to meet with Judge Barbara Lagoa. Then on Saturday, the president tweeted he will be announcing his nominee at the White House. The hour and the time is still to be determined. Now, Lorraine, as far as the funeral for late Justice Ginsburg tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, she will lie in repose at the Supreme Court, and that will give the chance to people to pay their respect for her. And on Friday, she will lie in state at the U.S. Capitol, making her the first female justice in history to receive that honor. Live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And joining me now is Jennifer Tubb, professor at the Western New England University School of Law. Thanks for being here, Professor. Let's jump right in. There could be rather immediate implications if President Trump is successful pushing through a third Supreme Court nominee. Looking into the not-too-distant future, what kind of upcoming cases or questions could be before a newly designed court? The most important case up before the court will be the week after the election, when the fate of Obamacare, um, referred to as the Affordable Care Act in the law, is up at the Supreme Court. It was already quite uncertain whether the law would be upheld, but if one of Trump's appointees is already seated by then, it seems quite certain that the law will be struck down. And why this is important, it goes beyond the fact that 21 million Americans will lose their insurance, but also another 133 million of us, anyone with a pre-existing condition, we're talking about half the U.S. population under the age of 65, we have pre-existing conditions, something as simple as asthma and so on. Many of us in that group will lose our insurance entirely because the cost of covering for that condition is too high. Insurance companies will be permitted to do that. And some of us, even if we don't lose our insurance, will pay much higher premiums for our care. So this is 
exactly what Trump has been saying he won't do, but he's in court arguing to do that very thing. And with the sad loss of Justice Ginsburg, we are going to face that. Professor, the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was known in part for her dedicated work through her career on a variety of women's rights issues. Talk to us about her legacy in this space and how it could be impacted by a new Trump appointee to the court. Uh, Justice Ginsburg, as you know, um, later in life got the name Notorious RBG because people suddenly began to realize how what a great impact she had, what a champion she was for women's rights. What made her so special is that she was an advocate before she was a Supreme Court justice. So before she joined the court, she was on nine briefs, and of those briefs, she argued before the court six cases and won five of them. That's an incredible record. And she laid the groundwork for women's equality and did so in a really fascinating way by taking the cases of men who were being discriminated against on the basis of gender. And so she just very carefully targeted um, the, the gender classifications as being suspect under the Constitution and was able to convince an all-male Supreme Court that maybe if it was bad for men, it was also bad for women. And, um, you know, she was brilliant in how she worked and persistent. And our greatest fear is that with so much more work to be done, her work could be unwound. Professor, let's talk about now the general makeup of the court with a Ginsburg replacement. There will be, be nine justices on the Supreme Court. Talk to us about that number in light of recent conversations about potentially expanding the number of justices and why people are speculating about that prospect. So the, in recent history, there have been nine justices on the Supreme Court, but nine is not a magic number. It's not a number in the U.S. Constitution. Um, the Constitution simply provides that there will be a Supreme Court um, and the justices will serve for, for, for life unless they are um, for good cause, such as impeachment. So judges, to, justices on the Supreme Court are there for life, but Congress can choose that number. And the number has been less than nine, and it's been more than nine um, in the past. The reason why there's a talk about Democrats expanding the court is because there's already a sense of injury that when President Obama, in his last year of his term in 2016, Justice Scalia passed away in February, and the Republican-controlled Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, said they would not even hold hearings on one of uh, the president's nominees. Now, the president is entitled to appoint um, justices with what's called the advice and consent of the Senate. And Mitch McConnell refused to provide advice or even have a vote um, at that time. So there's a feeling that one seat was already, you know, stolen. Um, and also now that this other seat, if we were going to, if that was done, that it seems unfair that Mitch McConnell Republicans claim they shouldn't actually vote on a candidate for the court during the last year of president's term. And here we are in the final year of a first term. They've even promised they wouldn't do it, and they're doing it now. So there's a sense that this is an unfair process. And the court needs to be expanded to make it more fair and, and to have legitimacy instead of being a political tool of the Republicans. And Professor, we're running out of time, but if you can quickly address this next question. Another issue as we think about the ideological balance of the Supreme Court is age. If Trump gets a third nominee through, what could the age makeup of the court mean for the future of the country? We have a few seconds left. 
Yes, I mean, people can serve 40 or 50 years. So we're talking about generations impacted by the decisions of the justices Trump appoints there at the court. Well, thank you so much for your insights. As always, Professor Jennifer Tubb of Western New England University School of Law. Thank you. And Beta made landfall late last night between Corpus Christi and Houston, Texas, as a tropical storm with winds of 45 miles per hour. There are reports of flash flooding in eastern Texas, and some areas could see up to 20 inches of rain. Torrential rain flooded cars and parking lots, water reaching up to the bottom of car windows and people's waistline. Beta is the 23rd named storm this hurricane season. There's been so many that the National Hurricane Center ran out of names and started using less letters from the Greek alphabet. Meanwhile, in California, we now know the name of the firefighter killed while battling El Dorado wildfire. The U.S. Forest Service says Charles Morton died while trying to gain control of the flames on Thursday. The Forest Service called the 39-year-old a, quote, well-respected leader who was always there for his squad and his crew at the toughest times. Morton is survived by his wife, daughter, parents, and two brothers. The El Dorado fire has burned over 22,000 acres in Southern California and is now 60% contained. It was sparked by a gender reveal party. And researchers say the Arctic sea ice now covers less than a million and a half square miles. Last year, it stretched out over 1.76 million square miles. That means it's been shrinking. In fact, scientists say this year is the second lowest extent on record. This, at this rate, scientists worry that there could eventually be no ice in the Arctic during the late summer. Arctic sea ice is important because it can influence climates around the world and the movement of the oceans. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And now to the latest on the case of Breonna Taylor, who was shot and killed in her home by police back in March. The police department is bracing for an announcement about the investigation by Kentucky's attorney general. As we learn, more officers are under internal investigation. Eileen Cardet has the details. A total of six Louisville Metro police officers are now under disciplinary investigation in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. The six include three officers who are part of an ongoing criminal investigation, as well as three other officers who were also involved in the raid when the fatal search warrant was initiated. The review could result in disciplinary action or even termination. We want full transparency. We want the truth. Breonna Taylor's death should not be swept under the rug in any way. This news comes as the city awaits a separate announcement from Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron sometimes this week on possible criminal charges against the officers, and the city is now bracing for possible unrest. On Monday, the police chief declaring a state of emergency, canceling days off and vacation requests to make more officers available. 
It was back in March when the 26-year-old EMT was shot and killed by police executing a no-knock search warrant in the middle of the night at her apartment. Officers were looking for drugs that were not there. Brianna's boyfriend, who told investigators he did not hear the cops announce themselves, fired a shot from his legally owned gun. An officer was injured. Aileen Cardet, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.